0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Matthewson Spear, and you have joined us today for a Word of Joy podcast. Look what he says this piece of God does. He guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That word guard is a military term. It means like a soldier standing at his post. He's guarding. He is diligent. He is unmovable, he's dedicated, he's committed, he's guarding, but he's guarding two things. What are the two things he's guarding? Look at the verse. He's guarding two things. He's guarding your heart and your mind. Now, go back to that little definition of worry that I gave you. Worry for a believer is wrong thinking that leads to wrong feeling. But when we are bringing all of our worries and our anxieties and our fears to the Lord, we are praying, we are understanding the greatness of God, the heart of God, the word of God, the character of God. We are thanking him in advance. This peace of God that we can't even understand moves in, and he stands guard first and foremost over the way we think. Correcting our thoughts directing our thoughts. And when our thoughts are in the right direction, guess what? Our feelings are too. He stands guard over the way we think and he stands guard over the way we feel. There is so much to learn and so much to absorb when it comes to the subject of prayer, but if you want it in a nutshell, it's right here in Philippians. Memorize verse 6 and 7. Exercise it when you are anxious, when you are worried, when you are fretting. And again, it is not a magic wand to wave over you, but it is a process to work through. And there will be times it doesn't feel natural, it doesn't feel comfortable, but keep at it, keep at it, endure in this race. But not only do we experience the peace of God as we pray, but as we engage in correct or right thinking, oh, man, Paul is so 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 determined that we understand our mind plays a vital part in this Christian life look with me at verse 8 finally brethren whatever is true whatever is honorable Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and remember we looked at that, the way that's constructed and if means since. Since there is excellence, since there is in things worthy of praise, look at the last phrase, let your mind dwell on these things. Now look what he listed. He listed true. That means truth. What's truth? God's word is truth. We're to dwell on God's word. That word dwell at your mind, dwell means settle down and live there, habitually live there. God's word is truth. Remember, the enemy wants you to doubt God's word. He wants you to doubt God's heart, he wants you to doubt God's character. Why? Because it deters us in our race, it deters us in our perseverance. But we are to set our minds on the things that are true and God's word is true. And then he says, the things that are honorable, they are worthy of respect. He said, whatever is right. And that word right means by God's standard, it is right. Not what the world says, not what society says. Those those lines move over the generations. But what is by God's word right What is pure, and he means what is morally pure according to God's word. What is lovely, the things that are beautiful in this life and beautiful about the Lord Jesus. Things that are of good repute, they are worth talking about. Oh, how many times do we just talk about stuff that's not even worth talking about? Things that are excellent, that means they are virtuous, they are Pure. they inspire us, they motivate us. Things that are worthy of praise, it is worthy to commend them to one another. Let your mind dwell on these things. It means to settle down and live there. How do we do that? Because it may be uncomfortable, it may be difficult to do that habitually. We do it by taking every thought captive. Paul says that, and we talked about it last week, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Frisk every thought at the doorway of your mind. Does this fall into that list? Is it honorable? Is it good? Is it pure? Is it right? If it's not, kick it out. So, Jennifer, that's easier said than done. It is. And this is when when I was studying, I I had to say with Paul, I have not arrived here yet because I'm going to tell you something. There are days I can go down a wormhole faster than anybody. I can worry, I can fret, I can ask all the what-ifs, I can look back and look at regret or longing, and, and I, can just get, I can just get myself in a mental mess as quick as, as quick as anybody. And God reminded me in this study, Jennifer, you are on a journey, you are in a race, you just keep persevering. You keep training your mind. How do you train your mind? You train it with the Word of God. And this is not a naive approach to life. It is not a an approach to life that says, "Oh, I just don't remember anything bad that ever happened to me. I don't. I, I nothing. Nothing bad out there. I don't. You know, I don't even have to watch the news because I don't. I don't want to know anything bad. It's not kind of that kind of approach. You, it is not an approach to say, "I don't understand the evil out there. I don't know the evil." I, I, because all through Scripture, Paul says to us, "Be on the alert." Peter says, be on the alert. Jesus says, be on the alert. We're to have our spiritual eyes open all the time. But guess what? It is not to be our focus. The evil is not to be our focus. Christ is our focus. He says, let your mind dwell on these things. When I was 21 years old, I'd graduated from college. And I had a teaching degree. And I couldn't find a job in the hometown where I lived. And so my granddaddy in Pensacola, Florida, had just died and my grandmother was a widow, and I decided I would move to Pensacola and I'd live with my grandmother and try to find a job there at Pensacola. If nothing else, I could go to the beach every day. I found a job as soon as I got there, a teaching job, and I, I taught for that year, and, and uh, I lived with my grandmother, and God used that time in my life for, in a lot of ways, especially for her, because I, I, she was a widow. She had had eight kids. She's used to a lot of people, and now she was alone, and, and now she had me, <laughs> but my grandmother, lived in a really old house, a little wood frame house. It was perfectly clean, it was, but it was old. And it was next door to uh, a place that sold tires, and they would throw the old tires into a little junkyard behind the business. Well, her house was right next to the junkyard. And so old tires collect things like water. When there's standing water in Florida, guess what there is? Mosquitoes. And then there's roaches. There's all kinds of stuff. So, So I was aware of that, and I knew when I moved to Florida, I had never lived in Florida at the time, that Florida had great big roaches. And I was not afraid of roaches. I can kill a roach. So I moved into my grandmother's house, and my little bedroom was right there at the carport that was by the junkyard. And every night I'd lay down to sleep, and I had my shoe boxes in the closet and had the tissue paper in the shoe boxes, and I would hear that tissue paper rustling in my closet. And I would think, as a stupid 21 year old, well, there's a big old roach in my closet. I might have to get in there and clean that roach out, those ro- get, get in those shoe boxes. There must be roaches in there. And again, I wasn't afraid of a roach. One night, my grandmother and I were watching TV, and I was sitting on the floor, and my bedroom was right off of the little den area where the TV was, and we had the lights out, and we were just enjoying a television show. And I saw this little shadow just zip across the floor and go into my room. I said, Grandma, there's one of those big roaches. I'm going to get it. And I took off my shoe, and she reached over and flipped up the light, and I went, It wasn't a roach. It was a mouse. And I don't know if the horror of it or the shock of it, I don't know what it was, but I, had, I went into a, I never had one of these before, a completely phobic response to that mouse. I screamed, I hollered, I stood on the couch and screamed. My grandmother was so alarmed, she ran on the back porch and she got a hoe and a rake and we're standing there armed to the teeth with gardening <laughs> equipment trying to get a hold of this little mouse. I was terrified because I knew where it went. It went right into my closet. It had lived there for weeks. (laughs) My chest got tight. My upper lip started sweating. I was terrified. I looked at my grandmother and said, I'm never going in that bedroom again. She said, you have to. I said, I don't have to. I'm sleeping with you. And that night, I slept with, I was 21 years old teaching school. I slept with my grandma. And I hadn't been in that room 10 minutes sleeping with my grandmother, and guess what I heard? It followed me It's here It just lived with me so long I thought it was following me all over the house And she said, okay, okay, okay She said, you got to get some sleep Why don't you go in the middle bedroom And sleep in the middle bedroom There wasn't anybody in there I said, okay So I went in the middle bedroom I hadn't been in there 20 minutes I was laid down And guess what I hear I don't just hear it I feel it It's something crawled across the top of that bed I freaked out I'm telling you I have never been so afraid So fearful So out of my mind as I was in that moment. I didn't sleep all night. I got up the next morning. I had to go to school. I looked at my grandmother, and I said, Grandma, I am not coming home until you call the exterminator. She said, Okay. After school, I called her. I said, Did, did you call? She said, Yes, honey. I, I called the exterminator, and I have good news and bad news. She said, The good news is that we got the mouse out of your closet. Bad news is he's got relatives in every room of this house. <laughs> I was so afraid. I was living in a house. Again, it was a clean house. It was just that stupid junkyard next door. I was, I was living in a house infested with something that was scaring me to death. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't, te- I couldn't do anything. I was petrified. I was mortified. I, I just couldn't function. So I decided to get a dog. Now, I know most people would get a cat, but I decided to get a dog. I looked in the paper, I was going to get me a good dog, and I did. I got a Great Dane. (laughs) He was grown, he was black, he was menacing looking. He had yellow eyes that glowed in the dark. (laughs) And his name was Prince, and he was my dog. And Prince stood by my bed every night when I went to sleep. And he stood there, and he was so big, and that little bed was kind of low, I would just put my arm over him like that while he stood there. And when I finally went to sleep, Prince would lay down right by my bed. Do you know as long as I lived in that house, I had Prince, and as long as I lived in that house, I never saw another mouse again. They were there. I didn't see him. Why? Because my focus wasn't on the mice anymore. My focus was on Prince. What Paul is saying, let your mind dwell on these things. Folks, the evil's there. But it's not our focus. Our focus is the Prince of Peace. His name is the Lord Jesus. He is our focus in this world. He is where our mind is to be trained to go. Our mind's important in this persevering. Our mind is important in standing firm. The enemy would like for you to doubt the word of God, the character of God, and the heart of God. And Jesus is saying, get your mind on the truth of who God is, right thinking. But then as we close, look at verse 9. And the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. Not only is there right praying as we experience the peace of God, right thinking to experience the peace of God, but now right living. Paul gives us four words they're learned, received, heard, and seen, and they're kind of grouped. The things you have learned and received. You see, you can learn something and never really receive it into your life. It just stays in your head. And Paul is saying, you have learned the truth of Christ. And you've not just learned it and it's in your head. You have received it into your heart. You know the truth. You have learned and received. And he said, and then you've watched my life. And you have not just heard me speaking truth. But you have watched me. You have seen me live it. You see, you can speak truth and never live it you can talk the talk and never walk the walk but Paul says I'm doing both and you have seen that in me so now what you have learned and received and what you have heard and seen in me now what does he say practice these things and that little word means do it habitually as a runner trains habitually practice these things practice what you know is true We are participating in this race. We are not sitting on the sidelines waiting for God to do a magical work in us. We participate. We are obedient, and we trust him in the process. And he says, as you practice these things, the God of peace shall be with you. There is peace in living according to God's standards. Do you understand if you are living away from God's standard, if you are participating in something that is, that is out of the realm of God's will and God's standard in your life, there is not going to be peace in your life. If you are practicing something, if you are doing something, if you are thinking a certain way, you are going to have the absence of peace. Peace is an indicator that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life and that you are participating in living the way you're supposed to be living. There's peace, and I'm telling you, when you're not living the way you should be living, we're always looking over our shoulder. Are we going to get caught? Are there consequences going to catch up with me? And there's no peace in living like that. So live habitually what you know to be true. Peace is a characteristic that we all want to experience. Peace is a is an indicator that we are moving in the right direction. You see, sometimes we are asking God questions about things we don't have definite answers to. This job or this job? This relationship or, or not in this relationship? Buy this car or that car? You know, just the daily decisions of life. And you know, God says bring everything to him. And while I can't find a verse about which car to buy, I can find a verse about peace. And even in those practical decisions that are kind of gray that we don't know, the definite yes or no, God can give us a peace even in those decisions. Peace is an indicator that we are walking in the right direction. I remember when my boys were little, there was a real popular card game, and they brought it home, and and I looked at the card game, and I didn't feel good about it. It, it, There was just something about it that I I didn't like, and I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but I, I didn't like it. I didn't feel comfortable with it. So I called a friend of mine and I said, "I, I can't. I, I don't know why I feel uncomfortable with this card game and my boys playing it." She said, "Jennifer, you have the Holy Spirit living within you, and you don't have to have a book and a verse to point to why." You'd. She said, "Your lack of peace is reason enough to get rid of it." Mamas, listen to me. You have little children. And you don't have a peace about something, you don't have to have a big old long reason and a verse and a, and a book of the Bible to be able to point to and say this is why. Well, you have the Holy Spirit within you, and if something is not at peace with your soul, that is every reason in the world for you to guard your kids from it or to get rid of it. God gives us peace for a reason. And he says, practice these things habitually, and the God of peace will be with you. Don't we want peace? I do. I don't want to live in worry and fear and anxiety. I'm prone to that, but I don't want to live in it. When Dana died, it was a very fearful time for me. And my neighbor came to the door one day, and she said, Jennifer, somebody made this for you. And I looked at it, and I said, oh, thank you, Carolyn. Who made it? She said, well, she asked me not to tell you who made it. She's giving it to you anonymously because she doesn't ever want you to think about her when you read what it says. And this is what it says. It's embroidered. Jennifer, trust in me. I have everything under control. Jesus. This has been beside my bed for 14 and a half years. I don't know who made it. And I'm glad I don't know because I just think Jesus gave it to me. It's not really a perfect, it's not a verse with a, you know, Philippians something on it. It's just a little sentence. Jennifer, trust me, I have everything under control. And how many times have I been awake in the middle of the night worried about a kid, worried about cancer, worried about finances, worried about insurance, worried about this, worried about this, stressing over everything you can imagine. And I have just turned my head and read this little simple sentence. With my name attached to it, Jennifer. Trust in me. I have everything under control. Jesus. Experiencing the peace of God, right praying, right thinking, right living requires that we trust Him. Trust His heart, trust His Word. Trust his character. There's peace in it. As long as you are wrestling with the Lord, trying to figure things out, trying to manipulate everything, trying to work it in your own strength, there's going to be unrest in your life. But peace is your birthright. Peace is available. Trust him. Lean into him. Surrender to him. Trust his heart. Trust his character. Trust his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have made peace available to each of us. No matter what we have experienced in this life, peace is ours because Christ is ours. Father, teach us, free us to live in the peace you have promised. Train our minds, Father, to dwell on the things that honor you. Train us to live in a way that honors you. Train us to pray in a way that alleviates us from trying to manipulate and cajole our circumstances and to trust you with them. Father, in your mercy and in your grace, strengthen us to stand firm, to persevere, to run in order to win. Thank you that you allow us to participate in this Christian life, in the power and in the strength of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today for this Word of Joy podcast. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Word of Joy or you would like to know more about the resources that are available, just take a look at our website at www.wordofjoy.org.